Songhezo Mapepe on SAFM. Good evening, South Africa. Welcome to those of you who are just joining us. We are now in conversation as part of the African narrative here on SAFM, The Viewpoint, Journalist's Guide to Reporting on Migration. We have two guests this evening, Miranda Madigane, who is the director of the Scalabrini Center of Cape Town, an NGO that provides specialized services for refugees and migrants in South African communities in Cape Town, as well as Abigail Dawson, Media and Communications Officer at the Consortium for Refugees and Migrants in South Africa. Kormsa, C-O-R-M-S-A. That's an NGO that coordinates and represents over 25 organizations in South Africa working with migration issues. And we have asked for their time this evening, and we thoroughly appreciate that they've made time. As South Africa prepares for its national elections, the issue of migration continues to make headlines across the country. Negative or misinformed perceptions about migrants and refugees can spark xenophobic sentiments and violence. To address these issues, the Scalabrini Center in Cape Town, in collaboration with the African Center for Migration and Society, Songhez Gender Justice, Lawyers for Human Rights, and Komsa, Abigail's organization, They've published a guide to reporting on migration in South Africa. The complex issues that are covered in the guidebook are birth registration in South Africa, migrants and refugees' access to public health care in South Africa, the Refugee Amendment Act, and the White Paper on International Migration. Sounds like a mouthful, but they're going to dist- demystify it all. Good evening, Miranda. How are you? Good evening. Doing fine, thank you. Thank you so much. Abigail, you are there. Tell us about your organization. Tell us the interests that you represent. I mean, 25 organization working on migration issues. Who are these people and what are the concerns and what is it that is your obligation to them? Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, we represent a number of organizations around the country, <clears throat> many of them who you've listed already, Lawyers for Human Rights, Galabrini, Songhe Gender Justice and a number of others in five provinces um, who are working primarily on migration issues. Um, So broadly, the focus is migration, and obviously one of our key issues, which we'll speak to tonight, is xenophobia. Um, So, yeah, I think if we jump right to it, I'll cover a lot of the key issues which many of the organizations are working in. Miranda, specifically, you offer specialized services for refugees and migrants in South African communities. What are these services, and who are your core partners in delivering these services? Um, Scalabrini Center runs a paralegal office. We see about 2,000 people a year, um, migrants really assisting them in understanding um, what their rights and responsibilities are as migrants or refugees in South Africa. We run a development program where we um, look at working towards integration of migrants into South Africa. Um, this includes an English school, an employment access program, a women's platform, um, and a high school program. Um, and we run a welfare desk. We've got a children's home um, for unaccompanied and separated minors, by minors and um a desk where we assist the most vulnerable migrants who find themselves in very difficult positions. Abigail, is the plight of migrants in South Africa and refugees and foreigners and all designations of persons who are not South African by citizen or birth, is the coverage and the characterization of their plight, in your view as a media and communications officer, consistent with what the society that South Africa should stand for as per its constitutional obligations? I don't think it is, and I think that's been the major reason for us putting together this toolkit and guide. Um, 
migration is a much more complex um, matter. And I think often it's in media and journalists often provide a negative perception of migration. Um, whereas you'll see in this guide, we provide a much more diverse and kind of nuanced perspective on what migration is. There's often a lot of misunderstanding around migration and key concepts which further perpetuate misconception. Um, so, And um, often journalism has been seen to perpetuate further violence and misconception. Um, how? So, sorry? How, how, how does that media and journalism perpetuate the problem through the reporting? How, how, what is the ethical so, standard to which you hold them? Yeah, our experience is that often journalism will be based on claim rather than fact. For example, um, in January this year, there was an article which gave direct quote of the Premier of Gauteng, Herman Mashaba, regarding the burden of healthcare of uh, the burden of migrants on the healthcare system when when you look statistically with migrants um, making up 4 to 6% of the population there's no way that that small number of people can have a burden on the population so you know one from inflammatory comments but also imagery that's used i think this year we've seen again images from previous xenophobic attacks being used in current coverage of the recent xenophobia in durban um these are infactual, it's, you know, it's not factual information that's being spread, um, which perpetuates misconception and further violence. In 2009, the Human Rights Commission did a survey from the 2008 xenophobic attacks, which um, perpetuators said that they had been somewhat inspired by the spread of media of the attacks in 2008, which perpetuated further violence. Miranda, let's talk about the legal institutions that should be at play here. I mean, for the most part, the Bill of Rights, Chapter 2 of our Constitution, insofar as it confers certain rights, it is oftentimes categorical. No one may be refused X, Y, and Z. Everyone is entitled to this. How has the leadership at a political level, I mean, Abigail mentions the reckless statements that are attributed to Mayor of Johannesburg, Herman Mashaba, very recently as well, between the EFF and the president, there have been some reckless remarks as it pertains to immigration issues. Not so long ago, the, the, the Zulu nation, through its king, mentioned something which was the attention of the South African Human Rights Council. Although not found guilty, but I mean, the, it, it, it was a damning remark to say that there was some carelessness, if I can just loosely translate what the human rights said about King Goodwill Zolitini. How, how does this affect the experience, lived experience, of the refugees, but more importantly, characterize the legal framework that pertains? Okay, so the Refugee Act, the current Refugee Act that's in force, essentially gives every right to um, a refugee that a South African citizen has, except for the right to vote. Um, I think it's important, and I think the toolkit also goes um, somewhere to try and unpack this, is that Migrants have different legal statuses and um, and different rights and responsibilities attached to those statuses. So a refugee and asylum seeker and a migrant are three different types of migrants who are, who are coming into the country. Refugees specifically have all the rights conferred on a South African citizen except for the right to vote. Um, so when we when we start looking at at what how that comes into play in in, in implementation, we're seeing that refugees in fact do not 
are not able to access these rights at all without assistance from um, our legal partners like lawyers for human rights. Um, so we're constantly having to fight a battle to see the proper implementation of law for refugees specifically. The problem when it comes to migrants in terms of the legal framework is that we see no immigration act, uh, no or clause in the immigration act that, that really supports uh, migration from the SADC region. So it's very, very difficult for a person who's living in Zimbabwe to access the South African economy with a work permit or to come into South Africa to do cross-border trade, to essentially set up, uh, access some of the opportunities associated with our good economy, um, which is not a protection issue as a, as a refugee would be. Um, but because there is no visa associated with the Immigration Act, this then leaves a person with very little options in accessing what is an enormous, what is one of the biggest economies in Africa. Um, so it simply makes no sense. And so this is this blind spot in South Africa's um, government is is creating a huge imbalance in terms of migration and managing migration, um, and really does need to be addressed. How did the gigaba years affect all of this? <laughs> How did the gigaba years? Um, yeah, well, he was the Minister Man- of Home Affairs at Minister some point, Gigaba and this was his the, purview. The, the creation of the white paper and the green paper, so he did an overhaul of the of the whole migration policy. He, in fact, identifies that immigration um, in the current form is still very much clinging to the apartheid era, um, and that we do need to ground ourselves in the African content, content, continent, um, and... So through you know through that policy paper we see an opening of 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 the government's mind and vision to create a SADAC um, visa regime. So that would be one good thing that we see in the white paper. There is the white paper on on a whole, the white paper on immigration, um, is actually quite tragic, especially when um, associated to refugees and asylum seekers. Um, it's a terrible swing away from what is a really good policy at the moment. But in terms of the SADAC visa regime, that's mentioned and, and we're clinging on to that as, as a diamond that could well turn around the management of migration if that were to be implemented. We're taking your calls on 891 We're in conversation with Miranda Matigana, who's the director of Scalabrini Center of Cape Town, an NGO that provides specialized services for refugee, migrant, and South African communities in Cape Town, as well as media and communications officer of the Consortium for Refugees and Migrants in South Africa, Ms. Abigail Dawson. Abigail, talking to you now. What is the difference between xenophobia and racism? because these are forms of prejudice, but for most parts, I cannot distinguish between the two. Sure. Well, a dictionary definition would say that xenophobia is the fear of someone from elsewhere, um, whereas racism is based on the color of one's skin. Um, So as seen in South Africa, xenophobia is often related to and there's the debate in South Africa around Afrophobia and xenophobia, um, because as seen in South Africa, xenophobic atta- attacks have largely been focused on African migrants versus um, migrants from other parts of the world. Um, so xenophobia is a specific fear and um, prejudice towards someone from elsewhere.
the victims of xenophobia, for most parts, as you correctly say, are African. And even then, within a particular class, in terms of the strata yeah. of um, self-actualization, it's the working class or lower middle class who are oftentimes bearing the brunt of Africa's wrath, if you will. Why is it still, even in that, the, 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 the color remains black? Why, for instance, the, the popular rhetoric is they are stealing our jobs. Now, would it just be Africans who are stealing jobs that belong to South Africans? What about other immigrants, migrants, if you will, who come here with the necessary skills and who come and compete on equal footing with the majority of South Africans? Why are they not bearing the brunt? I, I, I want to sort of make us think about the institutionalized tribalism that is embedded in this thing that is called xenophobia or Afrophobia. Yes, I would argue that I think in South Africa you have a disenfranchised black working class and um, largely politically and as we've seen in the lead up to this election, there's been, you know, in a in a hope to win votes of political parties, a pinning of blame against a small minority who are within that very precarious working class. Um, so it's people competing for very similar forms of informal precarious work who happen to be black um, Africans. And I would argue that, you know, there's because political parties are are hoping to gather votes from that same population, they are pinning blame on um, very disenfranchised and vulnerable, silenced migrants and refugees and asylum seekers who don't have the um, right to vote. Before we talk about the polit- political schooling, I just want to remind callers are allowed and encouraged, more importantly, to give us a call on 891 We're in conversation with Miranda Matigana, Director of Scalabrini Center of Cape Town, as well as Ms. Abigail Dawson, Media and Communications Officer. We're talking about, on this, the African narrative here with Songazama Beta on The Viewpoint, a journalist's guide to reporting on migration. Miranda, why is it during election season there tends to be these spikes. It was in 2008 into 2009 that we saw these spates. It's now reverberating again. And again, just around 2016 with the local government elections, we had these problems. What's the relationship between elections and the rise in xenophobic attacks? Yeah, I must say that I think that Abby spoke to that quite well when she was speaking about the fact that this current election is not really making many promises of what can be achieved but rather looking at at who to blame for the problems that we're having. And I think that um, migrants across the world, we've seen them being uh, a tool to to get those. Um, So if we we speak of migrants using services or or, or our borders being too open, then what we're really doing is, is laying blame on migrants for, for problems that they actually are not are not uh, culpable for at all. Let's talk about the political settlement of 1994, and, and, and particularly the political schooling that's for you, Abigail, as you think about this question as I pose it. The frontline states, for argument's sake, were the go-to spaces and places and countries for the underground movements that had been banned in 1960 up until their unbanning in the late 80s, early 90s. Has the government of the last 25 years 
done enough to educate South Africa of the relations we share as a region in SADC, but in Africa in general. For instance, ANC officers were in Lusaka. They were in Dar es Salaam. I had a roommate from Kenya who had an operation upgrade fund, a portion of which was dedicated to the interests of the ANC office in Tanzania across the border. In other words, this brotherhood and sisterhood that we share with the nationalities that are now affected by our xenophobia, has the government done enough to make that awareness from a political perspective? If not, and I suspect that is the answer, why not? Yeah, I think you're raising a really important point, and it's something I always try and mention in these kind of public debates is I think this largely speaks to education. Um, One, firstly, to realize that the economy that we're working from has relied on migrant labor from the 1800s. And so, one, that partnership in which, you know, the economy we currently are working with was built off migrant labor. I think that's... um, regularly left out of the history when speaking to migration. Um, And, you know, with that history, you then have generations of people who have built a life here in South Africa and continue to have that life. I think another really important point in this conversation is around exiled people during the struggle um, who were really accommodated and protected and to grant the same to African brothers and sisters at this time when we know of the political um, tensions in the countries that surround us. And whoever between Miranda and Abigail can answer this question as a follow-up, Miranda, um, Abigail, the exiles, the exiles know about this. They are the ones who can best understand being a foreigner. How is it that they have not been as vocal about these very core issues that the majority of the foreign nationals face in South Africa, why are they not at the forefront of basically being the voices of reason outside the political point scoring that takes place in this period? Why don't we see that? Are they not sufficiently, not incentivized, but I mean obligated to do that? Why, why not? Why is there such a doth of voices of reasons? Who's going to take that? Miranda Abigail? Miranda? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that my initial response is that um, politicians are driven by votes. Um, and I think, I mean, that's kind of sad because you would hope that politicians are driven to, to, to serve the country and to, to ensure that we, that we grow in a country that, that's coming together as one. Um, but I think that's not the case, I and mean, that's kind of an idealistic, childish view of things. Politicians are driven by votes, and since refugees don't have the vote, there is really no incentive, as you said, to protect them. Although that said, I think that when we did come, when we did come into democracy, the, the spirit of the Refugee Act does really um, bow down to that um, to that ex, that. Um, Asylum that was offered to to the exiles during the apartheid era. I mean, it's, it's been touted as one of the most um, liberal and beautiful pieces of legislation um, for refugees, and that's because it, it, it denotes freedom of movement, it gives right to work and study, and it really allows refugees and asylum seekers to heal and rebuild their lives um, in a in a dignified manner. So. 
I think that, that the act itself kind of does does show where South Africa was um, with regard to to people in exile um, at the beginning of our democracy. But, you know, through the years, I think it's, it's become vote-driven. And without an immigration act, um, everything's got kind of conflated and confused. Boitumelo Mewate is listening to us, and she says she's enjoying the program. Thank you so much for your kind words, Boitumelo Mewate in Johannesburg. And let's go to our first caller for this particular segment in Durban. We have Sis Ntlantla. I'm not sure. That's a unisex name. Ntlantla? Hey, how are you? Fine, thanks, Gunjani Puti. <laughs> Your thoughts, brother? Yeah, our view, because this is a, an organizational point of view, the PRM. Yes. That, uh, what does PRM uh, stand for? People's Revolutionary Movement. Yes. Formed in 2015. And our yes. time, even if you, you can Google, you'll find that we raised this thing of uh, invaders. People who, who just come into our country uh, disrespecting our borders, and they come inside uh, South Africa, and they, they wanted to be treated as South Africans or, or equally as people mm. who came by order in South Africa. Whereas they have just invaded South Africa, they came here and are doing things that sometimes uh, are not welcome in South Africa. Uh, most of them selling drugs, uh, but they don't use drugs. Uh, they undermine the labor laws. Uh, they, 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 they get jobs. When they get jobs, they, they don't join unions. Uh, they, they are prepared to end uh, very little compared to what the labor laws are saying in South Africa. Hence, you find that the employers employ them more than South Africans. And they come here, others are saying they came for economic reasons. Yes, for economic reasons, but you can't come in three months uh, when you did not have anything. After three months, you have them with their tech shops full of everything that they are selling, competing with the local businesses. That's called organization. Yes. It's yes. called being organized. It's, it's, yes, it's called being course. organized. So, so what's wrong with being organized? No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying is that you come here without anything. You have never worked in South Africa, but then you have a tech shop full of everything. Where do you get that? All right. To us, to us, we, we, we see that there is something behind it. Is all right. There are people. I'm going to have to move on. Sorry, I'm going to have to move on because I'm a little bit pressed for time, but I got the gist of your point. You are not as welcoming as certainly the gist of this conversation for most part has been going. Let's go to Melvin's Norma. Molo Norma. Okay, good morning, morning. Uh, good evening, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, please. It's like uh, the contribution is very, very little. It's like the, the, the answer don't, doesn't lie with the people on the ground who are moving. The answer lies with the Government, the presidents who are running these particular countries, whose people are flooding into South Africa. These are the very people who are supposed to sit down and have a dialogue and find out what is causing the people to move. As people on the ground, we are affected just like any other characteristic of a living and organism. That is for the ability to move when there is scarcity of something. Where are you so from, Noma? We move because we are finding it difficult to live. Where are you where from, Noma? So when we get into those places, 
then we find all this opposition, all these risings, amakwere, kwere, the the taking jobs, whatever. The people don't understand that the movement of the people is not because of their own cause. It is the cause of the runners of these particular countries. They should find out what is causing the people to move. Because we are not moving just out of our own accord. It's because of some certain things that are pushing us to move. Noma, where are you from? Beg your pardon, I'm from Zimbabwe. All right, thank you so much. We're going to cross over now back to Miranda Madigana, who's going to just give us her synopsis of the sentiment of the last two calls. Very polar opposites. Uh, before we go to Abigail, who's going to close it off for us. Miranda, yours. Um, thank you. Um, Norma, just to speak to what you're saying, I think it's really significant um, the way you, you, you're referring to the fact that um, there is a forced migration and people are being forced to move because of conditions and, and, and also because of dreams and aspirations and need to, need to take their lives into other places and not to be stuck in a situation that, that really holds an opportunity. Um, and I think that that's something that we've seen happening in world history since the beginning of time. Migration is a very natural phenomena, and it's something that will continue to happen. It's really important that we look at the why and the how. And the why, of course, Norm is re- referring to what's happening in a home country. What, what, are, what, are, what is leadership doing there, and who's, who are they accountable to? Um, and then for, for the how, looking at the South African government and and just how are we managing our, our, our migration? And are we maximizing the opportunity associated with the movement of individual people? Because people, at the end of the day, are all individuals. They all have their lives. They have their losses. They have their lives. They have their favorite foods, their jokes. They're just people. There's not, there's not this idea that, that my, migrants or migration is this mass of people all organized, jumping up together yeah, and moving. Yeah. It's individual people. Yeah, so we must always so bear in mind that we're talking to individuals. In terms of Nklanka, I must say that I think that there is an example of, of how we need to really look at that opinion and unpack it. it, it, it was, he made a lot of accusations. It's laden in serious thought. stereotypes. Very little empirical evidence available for him to back up those points. But I thought I would indulge him because he does represent quite a sizable community who think that way. Abigail, final thoughts in 30 seconds, please. Um, yeah, I think just to reiterate a lot of what uh, Miranda has said that as much as people are migrating for certain reasons, it's also a natural phenomenon of people. And even within Gauteng, we need to remember that 70% of the people in Gauteng are from elsewhere in South Africa and that we all are in pursuit of improvement and supporting the small families and lives that we hold in this country. Um, and that we do need much improved public education around what migration is and especially for the first caller. Sure. Thank you so much, Abigail. To sign off on this point, I was in Cape Town sometime when there was a premier or mayor, Helen Ziller, who once said, I am an education refugee. On another day, we'll have to unpack about some of the internal problems that we have in this country among ourselves in terms of handling tribalism, racism, as well as migration issues from province to the other. Unfortunately, that's all we have for to this. That's all we have for this evening. I beg your pardon. It's time for adverts and then our daily soapy, the paper.